Hello and welcome to Beauty Island, the award-nominated beauty podcast that celebrates life and lipstick. I am your host, beauty journalist and editor Brittany Stewart, and we are back for season four. Each episode, I sit down with a guest and ask them about the eight beauty products that have a special memory or meaning for them. The ones they take to a desert island, aka beauty island, that I am sending them off to. Maybe it's the product that defined their teens, the one they grew up watching their mum or grandma apply, or the perfume that instantly sparks a memory of a special place or person. Along the way, we find out more about their life, career, and the people and events that have shaped them into who they are today. This episode, my guest is beauty editor at Adore Beauty and co-host of the brilliant beauty podcast, Beauty IQ Uncensored, Joanna Fleming. I went to the Melbourne HQ of beauty retailer Adore Beauty for some serious skincare chat and explore the products that have shaped her beauty journey. Podcasts are obviously for your ears, not your eyes, so I'm going to have to stop and literally explain that Jo has some of the best skin I have ever seen. We met at the end of a non-stop day and she had not a single hair out of place and still flawless makeup that looked like it had been freshly applied, although she assured me that it wasn't. We talked about what it's like being a beauty editor for a brand as opposed to a publication. The secret to skin like hers that's so good you don't need to wear makeup every day even to work. How plastic surgery is shrugging off its taboo status. The bold move to include sex as beauty and self-care. And how to get started on cosmeceuticals. And of course, what the hell they are in the first place. Plus, she shares the cure-all balm for sensitive skin that... Beauty insiders, including her, swear by. And we're doing some things a little differently this season. Five Faves, which you might know, might remember, appeared as a few bonus episodes last season where I dived into the the current makeup favourites of my guests, will now be included as a little nugget of gold at the end of this episode. So after my chat, keep your ears... Your ears peeled? (laughs) Your ears open to find out... the current products that she is loving in her makeup bag. I had such a great response to the Beauty Spot episode last season, where we dived into the beauty history of cult and iconic products, that you'll be seeing more of those this season as standalone bonus episodes. So if there's anything else you'd like to hear that could be a product you want to dive into, it could be a trend, or it could be anything to do with beauty culture and beauty history, now is the time to let me know email me beautyislandpodcast at gmail.com as always if you enjoy listening to beauty island and you would love to support the podcast please make sure you're subscribed rate five stars and please write a review on apple podcast that really helps other people find the podcast keeps it growing allows me to keep on making it for you and if you're on instagram take a screenshot and share it on your stories so i can see where you're listening from just tag me at beauty island podcast now, over to Joanna. Enjoy. Joanna, welcome to Beauty Island. Thank you for having me. I am very excited to be in the heart of Adore Beauty talking yes. to you today. Yep. You're in the HQ. I'm welcome. in the HQ, surrounded by product. This yeah. is bliss. But now I know how our guests feel because I feel like nervous. You're on the other why. side. <laughs> yes. I'm the one asking the questions. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I suppose a good place to start when we're talking about the memories of beauty mm-hmm. is where it all began. What yes. is kind of the first memory that you can recall 
related to beauty. Yep. So I used to be obsessed with hair. Like before I ever knew what makeup was, I always loved hair, always loved learning to braid and things like that. And my mum had this curling tong. I think it was probably from the 1960s or 70s. (laughs) It was this orange thing. She probably still has it. Um, And I used to beg her to curl my hair before anything. Like it could be a family event. I'd be like, curl my hair. But she had no idea what she was doing. She's not into beauty. And so... I had her kill my hair once and she burnt my ear and I've never forgotten it. (laughs) And after that, I think I took the reins and I was like, it's okay, I'll do it myself. And I was probably like eight or nine and I was just like, no, now's the time that I take over my own hair. And that was the point where I really kind of fell in love with beauty. But it all started with hair, funnily enough. Well, sitting across from you now, you do have the most glorious balayage waves going on thank you thank you how do you how do you achieve this is that have you still got the curling not the curling tong obviously it's, but it's definitely not that curling tong. <laughs> I, I actually want to see if I can find it at home I used a silver bullet hair tong in my hair I prefer to curl with a wand as opposed to a straightener I actually don't know how to curl my hair with a straightener I have had so many experts show me so many times yes. I cannot get same neither and I feel embarrassed to admit it because (laughs) I really should know how to curl my hair with a straightener but I just cannot master it but I also prefer the finish in my hair of a wand and I find my hair holds it better with a wand the first product on your list is kind of the first product you remember purchasing or or really owning and for you it is related to the iconic 90s early naughty singer Britney Spears yes so tell me it was a Britney Spears palette that you got with your the fantasy perfume is that yeah right? so I think it was like a gift with purchase <laughs> so I was probably maybe in year seven and I got the fantasy perfume everybody would be familiar with that perfume you know the pink bottle with the diamantes around it just iconic of the era and it came with this little palette and it had like a highlighter it had a few eyeshadows in it like the grossest colors ever <laughs> it was like a deep blue and like a a khaki green and at the time that was so not in but I loved the highlighter in that palette and I actually had it until recently which is really not hygienic (laughs) but I just it was sentimental to me so I kept it in my palette drawer and I've thrown it out now but it was very hard to part with but I'm sure it was harboring a lot of bacteria so I was like it's time to let that go but that's my first memory of actually owning something before that I probably did have products probably had little like kids palettes and stuff but I just don't remember using them. That was the special one. Yeah, it was. Obviously, you enjoy beauty, but also mm-hmm. beauty is your job as yes. well. So I think that always makes for an interesting reflection on your relationship to beauty because mm-hmm. it's for you, is it something playful? Is it more serious? Is it a creative expression? How do you kind of describe your relationship with beauty as a whole? I think I break up beauty for myself into categories. Skincare for me is very serious. That is a serious business, but makeup I'm much more playful with and I like to try new products and see how they look on the skin. Whereas skincare, I'm like, no, no, I'm not trying that because it has that ingredient in it and I know my skin doesn't like it. So I'm much more experimental with makeup and hair, but when it comes to skincare, I'm like, no, that's serious. So yeah, I'm pretty playful with makeup. I think I do like to do a little bit of a pop of color on the lip if I can, but I also don't wear makeup very often. You've caught me on a day where I'm actually wearing it, but I I probably only wear makeup once or twice a week. So I like to give my skin a bit of a breather, much more of a skincare gal, but certainly appreciate makeup when I do wear it. I think that's really refreshing to hear because I think sometimes there can be 
almost an expectation that makeup can be a non-negotiable, particularly yeah. in like a work setting. So particularly mm-hmm. when you work in beauty yeah. and you have all these days where you don't feel the need to. Yep. That's brilliant. Yeah, I think it's just the dynamic here at Adore Beauty. There's no expectation to look a certain way. And a lot of us don't wear makeup to work, which people find weird when I tell them that. Like we just, like we love skincare. We look after our skin. We're wearing our sunscreen. And most of us in here aren't client facing. So a lot of us aren't going to brand meetings and things like that. So we can get away with not wearing it. You grew up in Melbourne. Yes. What was young and teenage Joanna like? Because I feel like I have a com- conversations with a lot of people about how when we look back on our images of how we dressed and how we did our makeup <laughs> when we were, say, 12 and 13, you yep. want to kind of pretend they never existed. Mm-hmm. Whereas the majority of teenagers and Gen Zers now have better skills than any of us to begin with. They've kind of skipped that whole embarrassing Why did stage. they get to skip the awkward <laughs> stage? Even with braces, I'm like, how come you get Invisalign? You don't even have to go through the braces stage. I find it frustrating. As a teenager, I had some made some very interesting choices. Um, I had a period where I was very into this green metallic eyeliner. I think it might Old. have been a NYX eyeliner. Um, I was very into it, wore it like any chance I got and I thought it looked so good I would wear it as like a winged liner and looking back on photos of that now I'm like you didn't even know how to use it like (laughs) what were you thinking the second product on your list is Mm -hmm. the one that you grew up watching someone use yes which in your case is the Estee Lauder double wear an iconic product tell me about your memories around this one So my mum's really not into beauty. I never really saw her put much makeup on. Even now, she barely wears any makeup. And so this stood out to me because I didn't really know for a very long time what foundation was. But as I got into my later teens, I kind of discovered that that was a thing that you do. Um, But my mum had never really worn foundation. I'd never really seen her apply it. But then I clued on to the fact that she used Estee Lauder Double Wear when she went out. And so I sneakily took that off her and took it out of her makeup bag. And I would wear that to go to work when I was like 15, 16. (laughs) I was a door bitch at Target and I would like coat that on. And I didn't need it. Like looking back now, like I must look so stupid because it was not my shade. Um, And I just lathered it on like there was no tomorrow. So that's kind of my first product I remember kind of being introduced to by someone Um, And that was definitely in my mom's makeup bag. I I don't even know why she had it because she had really good skin and I don't think she needed a full coverage foundation. But obviously she walked into a department store and and that's what they gave her. So Is that one that you use today? Because I always think it's interesting how sometimes when they are your kind of first introduction to makeup, you kind of keep your distance or is that one yeah that no I've love? got it in oh, my yeah amazing. my mate and my foundation wardrobe as Kate Morris would call it I definitely have it on rotation but these days I would mix it with something else a bit more lighter coverage so I would use it as an event makeup but probably mix it with like a makeup forever or YSL you are a beauty editor <laughs> yeah when you we talk about that kind of pivotal time when you're finishing high school suddenly faced with the decision of trying to work out what you want to do yes did you always have a clear idea of where you wanted to go or has it been an unexpected turn I always knew I was interested in beauty but I didn't see my life panning out the way it is I took a gap year after school and my parents were convinced I'd never go back to uni but I did and I went and studied journalism and while I was studying before I started my degree I actually got a job as a receptionist slash admin 
in a skin clinic and while I was studying I worked there for two years and then I lived in Adelaide for a period of time worked with a cosmetic surgeon there and then I came back to Melbourne and worked for a group of plastic surgeons here so I didn't really see that all panning out it was just kind of by chance that I got that reception job and then all of a sudden I was like I love this this is so interesting and I started learning about skincare and professional treatments and I thought this is just like what I want to do so then I got the job at a door about four years ago and have a look back and now we're here we've got a podcast (laughs) And obviously, as you mentioned, you were working around kind of cosmetic surgeons and those kind of professional treatments that you talked about. And I suppose actually that period that you were working there from then until now has been a peak time where those have become Mm -hmm. a massive more, much more of an open talking point in beauty, just as much of a beauty treatment as getting a facial or absolutely. So I suppose from both sides, how have you seen that kind of impact the industry and the way we talk and approach about beauty? I think people are a lot less ashamed. Back in the day when I was working in reception, I would have been 18, 19. It was unheard of for girls to have lip injections, like unheard of. We would never see patients for fillers for girls under probably 25. And that's not that long ago. It's, you know, nearly 10 years ago, but it was just unheard of. And I had dermal fillers at that time when I was working there and my friends were like you're crazy like what are you doing and now it's completely normal and everybody around me is having cosmetic procedures done but there's definitely less shame around it and more willingness to share and I think there's a culture of friendship groups sharing that information with each other and sharing their knowledge as well and I know I get a lot of messages about cosmetic treatments but I'm happy to answer questions because I'd rather people go somewhere that you know they're not going to have complications or minimize risks and have the knowledge behind them to make informed decisions about what treatments they have and where they have it done. The third product on your list is one that kind of defined your teens, which I'll let you tell me about. Tell me what it is and how you used it. (laughs) Ah, this is the Chi Chi fake tan. I loved this fake tan probably from when I was in year nine, I reckon to year 12. But I had this thing where I'd only apply fake tan to my legs I do not know why. Don't ask me. I just wouldn't put it anywhere else. I was just like, oh, I just need my legs tanned. I just, I can't understand why I did that. But I look back on formal pics now and I'm like, I look ridiculous. My legs are like orange and then my top half is just white. (laughs) I just, I can't understand why I did that. But looking back, I'm very ashamed of those choices. And I can assure you that my fake tan application skills have improved and I'm a lot better at it now and I apply it all over my body. You've upgraded from yep. the, uh, the Chi Chi Fake yes. Tan. Chi Chi's an interesting brand as well because did you say you worked at Target as well? Yes. So you would, I feel like yep. I remember the, my introduction to the brand is, you know, when mum's looking at something else and you yep. wander off to the beauty Got my discount on my Chi Chi Tan yep. and I was off. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> as the beauty editor for Adore Beauty, I think it's really interesting because I've obviously spoken to a fair few beauty editors on mm-hmm. this podcast, but you're the first who is the beauty editor of a brand as opposed to a magazine. And obviously there are a lot of different things that you have to take into consideration when Mm -hmm. it's when it's like that. So I wondered if you could take us behind the scenes of kind of what your job entails as a beauty editor in that position. 
It's very varied. A lot of people assume that Hannah and I just do the podcast and they're like, give us more episodes. (laughs) And we're like, we've got full-time jobs. So we kind of have to explain that we do have other tasks that we have to do. So at the moment, I'm working on a lot of of, uh, content projects with our brands, coming up with concepts for them to help drive products and things like that. So we might work on a video series, things like that. I'm also planning out our content calendar, booking in new launches and things like that for editorial coverage so it is very varied and includes the podcast but everything is always changing here we it's not the same three from three months ago it's we're very agile and we move very quickly and if we see an opportunity we take it and that's why my role changes all the time it still has beauty editor but I'm like this role is not the same as it was two years ago so I do have a very varied role and I really enjoy it but it is challenging at times and being the beauty editor of a brand as well you do kind of have that conflict of interest sometimes and if a product doesn't work for you and you're meant to be talking about it, it's like trying to find a happy medium there and you know, having someone else try it where it might be more suitable for their skin or their hair or whatever it is. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting role, but d- different to a beauty editor that works in a magazine. And I think that's a really interesting point as well, particularly when we see, obviously, there's beauty editors, there's beauty bloggers, there's influencers all talking mm-hmm. and endorsing products because that recommendation when you know it has worked a product has worked with something Mm -hmm. is the best endorsement that's what gets me across the line but I think the important thing that beauty editors do may be different to uh say typically more influencers is take a bit of a more objective view Mm -hmm. that just because this product hasn't worked for me yes I don't represent all skin types exactly all needs so I think that's that's always something that I try to keep in mind it's a very important point and I try to always retain authenticity in things that I recommend even on my own channels I'll only post about stuff that I've actually used and liked and the things that we talk about on the on our podcast are all things that Hannah and I use so we're not paid by brands to talk about certain things it is very much authentic content even though it is available at Adore Beauty but I've been here for four years so I'm not shopping anywhere else (laughs) so I'm getting my discount and I'm making the most of it With your position, you also have incredible access to experts that you, mm-hmm. uh, you've you interviewed in the videos and on the podcast as well. And obviously, you always review treatments and things that yeah. you're trying. I'm always intrigued. Do you have a limit to what you would be willing to, to put yourself forward as a beauty guinea pig? Or have there been any that you were kind of really nervous about or found particularly strange that you've already tried? That's a really good question. Um, I don't think Hannah or I have limits, to be honest. (laughs) We're like willing to try anything for the content. I think if it was something permanent, I'd be very apprehensive, even from like a surgical standpoint. Like I can't see myself having surgery when I know that it's permanent. I'll probably get to that point where I'm like, yeah, I need a facelift. But um, at this stage, I'd be scared of something permanent. But other than that, nothing's really come up that I've been like, no way, I'm not doing that. I'd never get a tattoo, but nothing's really been put forward. If anything worries me, I usually am like, oh, honey, you can do it. <laughs> and she doesn't know any difference. So she's like, okay. <laughs> You've got a good system going yeah. on. <laughs> the fourth product on your list is the perfume that has a special memory for you. Yes. Um. So tell me about what your perfume is and, and the special memories behind it. Yes. I really associate a lot of things with smell. I've got a shocking memory and smells always trigger memories for me. It might be like a period of time in my life or a song or something that was happening at that specific period and my girlfriend's got me an Ali Saab perfume for my 21st 
And shortly after that, I moved to Adelaide. And so whenever I wear this perfume, I always am reminded of this house that I lived in in Adelaide and where I was working at the time. So I feel a bit put off by this perfume <laughs> a little bit, um, but I still like to wear it because it's sentimental to me. But every time I put it on, it's just, I get flashbacks. So yeah, that's, that's definitely a sentimental one. You have to use it carefully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, as we've mentioned, you and Hannah, host Mm -hmm. the Beauty IQ Uncensored podcast, which is Adore Beauty's podcast, which as we kind of spoke about before we got on mic has raving, raving reviews. Yes, we're very excited about that. (laughs) It's been incredibly successful. And I think for me, and particularly looking at some of the reviews, it seems that what a lot of people love is the dynamics between you and Hannah. Yes. Because um, obviously it's it's like listening into a conversation with friends. Yep. Like we said, it feels very authentic. Yeah. Um, and you're also not afraid to talk about any topics related to beauty. So just for mm-hmm. some examples in a few episodes, you've talked about earwax, you've talked about mm-hmm. UTIs, like nothing, as you said, nothing is off limits. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think those conversations are really important in beauty in addition to all, you know, the talk, the talk about makeup and skincare, but kind of the bits that there's still a little bit of a taboo about almost. Yeah, I think the beauty industry has come a long way. There's still a bit of a way to go. I think the more realness you can bring to beauty, the better. And being relatable is really important, I think. Hannah and I generally like to talk about that stuff. We like to have those conversations because we just laugh at the same time as people will know if they've listened to our episodes. But I think a lot of women don't have those conversations with their friends or they may not have girlfriends they're comfortable discussing those things with. And that's the feedback that I've seen a fair bit of is it just feels like a conversation with your friends, but in a more educated way, or they actually know what they're talking about or something along those lines. So I like that maybe for those women who don't have those girlfriends that they're able to confide in that they're listening to us and going oh I'm normal that happens to me as well so that's what I like most about that segment is that we're relating to everyday women and we're kind of breaking down that aspirational thing about beauty that has been in the industry for such a long time and making it really accessible and relatable yeah and I think that's a shift that finally we're kind of seeing in beauty advertising as well like you talk about you know how many years of razor ads never mm. featured body hair yeah. or, you know, tampons or pads that yep. have no sight of blood or anything. Mm-hmm. So I think, like you said, you're part of that really important shift yeah. into talking about the everyday stuff that everyone goes through. And even in a lot of our imagery as well that we shoot, you know, I ask our photographer not to retouch things because I want you to be able to see pores or blemishes or things like that that regular women have and that will have when they use this product. So why not show that on a model or a staff member or whoever's shot it? And when we're shooting an acne product, I will actually have someone with acne shoot that product because why would we shoot that on someone with clear skin? So um, we're we're trying to make moves towards that. One of my favourite segments on Adore Beauty's Instagram is when you go around the office and ask everyone for their recommendations. Yeah, I think that's the favorite segment of a lot of people. They're just so interested to see our staff. Yeah. I didn't realize we were all that interesting. (laughs) Apparently we are. People always say, where are the men? And we're like hiding in the back room because they never want to be on camera. (laughs) (laughs) When's the reality TV series coming out? Well, I'd be interested to be involved (laughs) if anyone's keen. (laughs) Through the podcast and through your own social media channels, I imagine Mm -hmm. you get asked a lot of questions Mm -hmm. by people is there kind of a recurring theme topic or question that you get either from listeners or even from your friends obviously the as the expert in your Mm -hmm. your group 
I like to remind my friends they're very lucky to have me because they have a direct person that they can contact to ask questions. Um, I don't think they know how lucky they are. The question I probably get the most is just where the hell do I start? What serums do I use? What do I need to buy? I basically get messages that are just like, please give me a whole skincare routine. And I'm like, that's, please speak to our customer service. They can get, (laughs) like our customer service team do that. They give you a routine and it's in a non-biased way. They'll recommend products from all different brands. They don't get commission for recommending certain products. And that's what I really like is that I can direct them there and I know they're going to get really good recommendations. But I often do reply to people and say like, what's your skin concern? You know, what are you looking to target? That kind of thing. And go back to them with a few options. But I think that's just where people get stuck is where do I even begin But having the podcast has been really helpful in that way because I can direct them to certain episodes and be like, hey, I think this is really worth you listening to. And then they come back and they're like, oh, my God, that was great. I understand everything now. So, yeah, I think it's more of a starting point issue than clarity around a specific topic. But the more interested people get once they start and they see results and they're like, what else can I add? (laughs) So once you get them on the journey, they're like they'll then ask you more detailed questions. The fifth product on your list is the beauty product that you trust with your life, which yes. I haven't heard it before, so I'm very intrigued. The yes. Mesoaesthetic yep. Fast Skin Repair. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Yep. Well, it ain't pretty, but um, <laughs> it certainly does the job. Um, this is a product that I use after I've had like a reaction to something. I have kind of sensitive skin. I can react to things if I sort of impair my barrier a little bit if I've used a few too many new products or I've used an ingredient that's maybe a bit too strong for me and this is the product that I turn to it's kind of like a balm consistency it's quite occlusive so it locks in all that moisture of products that you've laid down underneath and it just really helps to support the barrier and bring it back to its former glory I will get uh, a rosacea flare-up when I have a skin reaction which makes me really sensitive and hot and red so yeah this product I just it doesn't compare to anything else that I've tried and I always have it with me if I go on holidays I have to take it because if I get sunburnt or something which hopefully I don't because I try and reapply my sunscreen but yeah for anything any concern I've got that with me and I think Kate actually really likes it as well but it's always recommended by dermal therapists as a post-procedure product as well. So you know it's going to be really good for sensitive skin. Yeah really calming and soothing yeah. I suppose one of the other great things particularly about working for a brand is all the data you are literally seeing Mm -hmm. in real time what people are buying. Yeah. Are there any particular trends or ingredients that you're excited by or noticing that people are really paying attention to now? People are really interested in tools. That's a huge growth category for us. A lot of people just, you know, they want a roller or they want, you know, a a derma roller or they want little globes to roll around on their eyes. People love it. And also our Adore You category is now expanded into a sex category. And that's something that's going really well for us and was really well received. And that was so nice to see because we treaded really carefully with that and were very careful not to offend anyone by it. And it was really to drive female empowerment. It wasn't about it being a men's thing. It was certainly female centered. So we're really glad that that's been taken the way that we intended it to be. But that's been a really popular category for us. So certainly more growth there to come. Um, In terms of ingredients, I think retinol, certainly people are understanding it a lot more now and vitamin C. So anything in that realm um, is getting a lot of attention and brands just keep 
you know, improving their formulas and putting more research into them. So that's really good to see as well, you know, from where we were five years ago to the kind of formulas you're seeing now, it's pretty amazing. And I think what you raise is really interesting as well, because beauty has expanded outside of just skincare, even really makeup focused to become really focused on skincare and then wellness and sex. Mm -hmm. Everything has just become part of beauty. Because I suppose it's about all those different things that make you feel good in different ways. Absolutely. So maybe you could tell me a bit more about seeing that shift of beauty kind of expand into other areas. Yeah, I think it's a lot more about a holistic approach to beauty. Beauty isn't just the way that others see you, but it's how you feel in your own skin. Um, So I think the wellness category, we sort of branched out into supplements like the Beauty Chef and Wellco and those kind of brands and saw them perform really well. And we saw our customers really embrace those kind of products. And so from that, we expanded our offering to see kind of what the interest would be in tools like washers and facial rollers and then to go into the sex category as well. So I think it's been um, kind of a natural shift, but we've added as we went. But I think there's definitely a focus around more how you see yourself rather than others and how they see you. The sixth product on your list is kind of a collection of products, Mm -hmm. which are your holy grail or best finds. So we've got the Aspect probiotic mask, mm-hmm. Tan Lux Super Glow, Kiehl's Creme Decor and MAC Paint Pot. Mm-hmm. Um, they all sound and, and are great products. So yep. tell me a bit about each of them and what makes them your holy grails. Yes, I could go on, honestly. <laughs> like, this is I've the short list. probably got about 30 that I could have put on there, but I just thought of the ones that came to the top of my head. So Aspect Probiotic Mask, that is a beautiful mask. As the name suggests, it contains probiotics. So that helps to support the skin. That's particularly good as well as an addition to my mesoesthetic fast skin repair. I often use those two in tandem. That's a really beautiful mask for anyone who's sensitive or dry or dehydrated. I recommend it to people constantly. And that really took off on the podcast when I talked about that. The Tan Luxe Super Glow Drops, uh, they are a gradual tanner. So I probably apply six to eight drops every few nights just to get a nice little glow. I don't I don't use fake tan on my face because I react to a lot of fake tans. So that's a really nice hydrating serum with a bit of tan in it. So it is gradual. People who like that fake tan look on their face won't like it because it's not enough. But for me, I like a gradual tan on my face. Um, so that's a good one. And then Kiehl's Creme Decor. It's, it's an icon, <laughs> honestly. It is one of the best body moisturizers I think you could buy. What, what do I even say about that? It's just the best. You should buy it if you haven't. I've got the big boy. I think he's like 500 mils. I think you can get a litre one in the US. Wow. But I don't know if we have it in Australia, but I'm hoping that I can get my hands on it <laughs> at some point. And MAC Paint Pot, which I've spoken about on our podcast as well. I have the shade Groundwork. I'm wearing that on my eyes today. Very nice. Um, but it's just a really good base product, but you can also wear it alone. Um, and it's just a really beautiful torpy brown shade. It's just perfect for an everyday look, but you can also lay a sh- um, shadows on top of it to get more payoff and longevity. And it's just a really good product. And for people who might not have heard or used the tanning drops, because yes. it is kind of a newer yeah. way of tanning. How do you, what would be your recommendations for application? So I get this question a lot, actually, because I also like the Eco Tan face water. Um, So I kind of swap between the two, just depending on what I'm doing. I just jump between things sometimes. Um, So with the Super Glow, I actually like to apply it on its own with nothing else and go to bed. Easy. Yeah. 
So I will skip my other skincare that night because it is a hydrating serum and I can get away with it occasionally. I wouldn't do that every night. I obviously would never ditch all my skincare. (laughs) Um, But on nights that I'm applying that, I actually apply it on its own. But when I'm doing the eco tan, I put a moisturizer down first, allow it to absorb, and then I use a cotton pad to apply the eco tan over the top of that. So I'm a bit weird with my application. A lot of people think that's strange that I would skip all my skincare, but I probably only do it once or twice a week. And I time it so that when I'm using my actives, I'm not wearing off my tan the next night. So I time my retinol once a week to be the night before I tan. There's a whole lot of logistics and organization that goes into this. It's like trying to align your hair washing with social (laughs) events. (laughs) Um, One area of skincare that I know you're particularly passionate about is cosmeceuticals. Yes. Um, I know you love those. And they are obviously a very very effective category, but they Mm -hmm. can be a little scary. Just even like the term, it feels like you're going kind of upper level in skincare. What would be your advice for getting started with those kind of products? I think it's sort of understanding what a cosmeceutical is. It is sort of between, mixed between a pharmaceutical and cosmetic product. A lot of research and, you know, science goes into formulating these products and they're very effective. They, they're not necessarily scary once you understand them, but I think having a bit of education and understanding of ingredients will really help you to purchase those products in an informed way. Because I feel like a lot of people make mistakes when purchasing products and then they're totally put off a product or ingredient for the rest of their life you know they might overuse a retinol because they didn't know how to use it and they're like oh no no I'm allergic to retinol I can never use that again but really you've just used it incorrectly so I think it's just understanding a little bit more about ingredients because cosmeceuticals are heavily ingredients based but also that a lot of them are vegan and cruelty free and use botanical extracts so they're not necessarily unsuitable for people that are into natural skin care and things like that they do use a lot of naturally derived ingredients and some of those ingredients like vitamin a for example are just synthetically created so i think they're still suitable for a lot of people just think people put a line through it as soon as they think it's like not chemicals Yeah. yeah but really a lot of them are very safe and they're vegan and cruelty free which i really like i think that's a really good point to make for a lot of these brands but yeah i don't don't be scared if you haven't started on cosmeceuticals, you've got a roller coaster ahead of you, but it's a fun one. <laughs> when it comes to your current makeup collection, obviously you have access to a lot of product. Yes. If we were to go to your makeup bag or beauty cabinet at home, yes. are you a minimalist or a maximalist when it comes to your collection that you're using on the daily? On the daily, it's minimalist. Um, in like life in general, I've got a full set of drawers that are filled with makeup, which most of it I don't use. And that's really bad that I don't utilize that and, and try things. A lot of stuff I will give to friends and family or I'll bring back to work to give to girls in here. Um, I am more of a minimalist daily because I really only will wear like a foundation, powder, eyebrows, mascara, a lip blush bronzer (laughs) Um, yeah but when I look at my makeup bag I'm like oh it's it's a standard size like makeup pouch it's nothing crazy um you're not rolling a suitcase no I'm not rolling a suitcase (laughs) around but yeah I just kind of use the staples every day but if I'm doing like event makeup I would get a palette out and stuff like that so and do a little bit of a contour but on the daily I'm pretty low-key because obviously you're really invested in your skincare, you know, that is the ultimate trick to making your makeup look good, mm-hmm. working on your base. 
But what is your best tip for ensuring that if you are wearing makeup, it kind of lasts through the day? Because I don't know if you've touched up or anything today, but yeah. I'm looking at you now and you could have just applied your makeup. It's all still like so flawless and fresh. Hannah always says that to me because she's got oily skin and she's like, how does your makeup last all day? <laughs> she's got to literally take hers off and reapply it. I have normal to dry skin, so my makeup stays put relatively easily but I also do set with a powder I use a setting spray and I also prep my skin really well I'll always use a primer and I prep under the primer with a moisturizer for my skin type so I find just prepping the skin properly using a foundation that's actually suitable for your skin type like Hannah and I had this conversation the other day she was using a really dewy finish foundation and wondering why she was shiny at you know 1 p.m. And really that foundation isn't designed for her skin type. It's not designed to last on her skin. So I think choosing the right foundation really does make a difference or just being prepared to touch up, bring your powder with you, bring a little brush and do a touch up if you're planning to go out for dinner. But I think a setting spray, using a powder under your eyes and through your T-zone and prepping properly with a primer can really make a difference. And what is your current primer of choice? Napoleon Purtis Autopilot. It is a Does everyone one. say that? No, I think you might be, apart from one other person, Chev, who used to work for. Yes. Yeah, I love Napoleon Chev. Yeah. Um, but it's one of my favourites. I've gone yes. through so many. I love it. Tubes. Our um, social media girl here as well loves it too. The seventh product on your list is the one that gives you a confidence boost, which for mm-hmm. you is lashes. Mm-hmm. Now, is that just a great mascara? Is that extensions? Is that falsies? So I recently decided that I would get lash extensions for like the holiday period and I got obsessed with them. They're addictive. I really regretted it. I was like, why did I do this? I'm (laughs) now addicted to them. They're the best. But I weaned myself off them and I got them off a couple of weeks ago and I've been using a new mascara from Maybelline called Falsies Lash Lift, which is really nice. I think it comes out in Feb. That is helping me get through this period, which is a really rough time, but I also had a lash lift, so that might have helped too. (laughs) But when I do have false lashes on, I honestly feel like I look 10,000 times hotter. So I really like to, for events, have lashes on because I just find in photos, I just look so much better and I could just walk in and, you know, love myself sick. So yeah, definitely a lash, any kind of lash. Um, I, I love that as well. If I When I win the lottery, the first yes. thing I'm doing is having lash extensions. Oh, yeah. Time. Yeah. I was like, I can't sustain this. Everyone's <laughs> like, why don't you just keep them on if you love them? I'm like, because I'm trying to buy a house. <laughs> it's not possible. House lashes. Yeah. <laughs> Priorities are in order. <laughs> Outside of beauty, mm-hmm. what are your kind of passions or interests? Like, describe an ideal Sunday for me. I live and breathe beauty which is kind of sad because my job and my hobbies are the same thing which I'm sure is kind of the same for a lot of people that are really passionate in the beauty industry you just kind of live and breathe what you do I'm a Pilates gal and I do Pilates probably two to three times a week and I'm obsessed with it because I was never an exercise person before that and then I just got hooked on it as my new year's resolution last year and I was like I'm a change woman this is for me (laughs) so that's probably what I do on the weekends love Netflix binging. Yeah, I'm pretty low key. I'm a very, I don't like going out. I'm not a hugely social person. Um, Not that I don't like spending time with my (laughs) friends, but I'm not someone that's like, yeah, let's go out and like meet people. That's just not me. But definitely I spend a lot of time on Instagram answering questions, posting. Yeah, that takes up a lot of my time, but I'm happy to do it because I really enjoy sharing knowledge and posting about products and things like that. So I do kind of live and breathe 
my hobby and my work. I think that's a sweet spot that you spend the most most of your time doing what you Yeah, well they say that if you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. So that's how I'm feeling currently. Great. <laughs> Talking of Netflix binges, mm. is there anything good series or anything that you've So I recently binged Shits Creek. Have you watched that? Yes. Oh, how good is it? I watched it while I was I started watching it while I was overseas and just Oh, I love it. Anyone who hasn't watched it, I know that it kind of seems off putting, like it's not something you would put on voluntarily, but it's so funny. I feel like I'm David. (laughs) (laughs) You are wearing black and white. Yeah, Exactly. If you haven't watched Shits Creek highly recommend you do and then watch all the super cuts of Alexis saying David yes. and Maura yes. just and Maura doing anything yes yes I can't talk. wait till the final season comes out on Netflix so I can watch it sorry to keep going about shit's Creek, but it is, a <laughs> it is really good yeah I've never laughed hard at anything on tv that when Moira and David are trying to make they're cooking something and they're yes. trying to work out how to fold in cheese. Yes. And <laughs> yes. Of how, how do you find I've never oh, folded anything like All this. of the characters have their own mannerisms that are just hilarious. It's just an amazing show. I love it. What is the best piece of career advice that you have learnt or you've been told in your career so far? I always find this question a tricky one because I don't think I've been given that much advice in my career to be quite honest I think my best tip I've manifested a lot of things and I've set goals for myself and tried to put things in place to achieve those goals and I think that's been a real push for me to get to where I am now and see so much growth in the last couple of years in sort of what I'm doing and where Adore Beauty is going and how the podcast is developing and that's really exciting for me. So I think just having big goals for yourself and not feeling like you can't achieve those things because you can do anything you set your mind to as long as you put things in place to achieve that. So that's probably my best piece of advice. Um, But I'll let you know if I receive a really (laughs) great piece of advice. I've got a really shocking memory so I've probably been given some great advice. I just don't remember it. The final product on your list are the two beauty products that you always repurchase. Yes. Um, so Dr. Bronner's hand sanitizer and mm. Lanolips, which is by far the most mentioned product on this podcast. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, which obviously speaks for itself. Yes. So tell me why you love those two. So I am a bit of a germaphobe, a um, bit of OCD tendencies. So I pretty much take a Dr. Bronner's hand sanitizer with me everywhere. I've got one on my desk. If I'm traveling anywhere or going on a plane, I spray everything down with it. And you go full Naomi. Yeah. 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 I'm literally Naomi Campbell. I spray all the monitors and everything, the the Uh, what are they called? The things that fold down? Armrests. (laughs) I spray them, wipe them down. I just don't like to think about how many germs are on a plane. And I always like sanitize my hands after being to the bathroom. So I go through a fair bit of it. I replace it a lot. Um, I actually just got a staff order and it's in there. (laughs) And in terms of Lips, I've just been obsessed with it for years. And I always try and get people into it as soon as they started Adore Beauty because they're always using like Blistex or something. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's time to switch over. Welcome to the rest of your life. <laughs> but I'm loving their Lano stick. Yeah. It's so handy because sometimes I don't want to like use my fingers to like rub it in. So it's nice to have the stick where I can just on the go apply it. So yeah, love that. What does success mean to you? Either that could be professionally or just personally. Mm-hmm. I think it's just feeling fulfilled in what you're doing. I don't think it's about money or status or anything like that. It's just being happy in what you're doing. If I am happy in another 10 years doing my job and living the dream, I will be like the most successful person on earth. Yeah, for me, it's just not about 
not about money or your position. It's just about how you're feeling in your life, whether it's professionally or personally and feeling content and, and like you've achieved something. You've talked us through the eight and a few beauty products yes. um, that have a special memory or meaning for you. And now I am going to force you to pick just one to take with you to Beauty Island. Oh my God. So you can throw practicality out the window. It doesn't have to be practical. It's the one that you would most like to keep you company for sentimental reasons or just because you can't, oh genuinely God. can't live without I don't know. it. Um, I give you sunscreen and everything like that. Oh, so okay, cool. All right. You're covered okay. there. Okay. Which one would you pick? Ooh, I'd probably take my ASAPB complex. It's just a really nice hydrating. So I feel like I'd need that on an island. It can help to protect my barrier and, you know, support hydration so I think that's probably what I would I'd have to take a serum I wouldn't take anything makeup I don't need makeup on an island so yeah that'd probably as long as you're giving me sunscreen yeah I think I'll go with my ASAPB complex great choice and it's become a bit of a running joke that because so many people have chosen lips, you've probably got a good supply on the island anyway yes <laughs> great <laughs> so you'll be covered <laughs> To quickly finish us off, a quick fire round of your current makeup favourite eye product. I would say the MAC Paint Pot, Groundwork, loving that. Um, I think, I mean, I've gone into detail about it. I don't need to rave about it more. <laughs> Face product. Complexion. I would say YSL Touche Eclat All-in-One Glow Foundation. That is my holy grail foundation. I'm wearing that today. Super glowy, really radiant, looks beautiful on the skin. It's light coverage. I just am obsessed with it. I recommend it to a lot of people. What do you use to apply it? A brush. Yep. And then I do sometimes blend out with a little damp sponge, but it just depends on if I've stuffed it up or not. <laughs> Hair product. Really loving Mr. Smith dry texture spray at the moment. It's very effective in fine hair like mine um, compared to the Orbe, which weighs down my hair a little bit because my hair's very fine and will weigh down with anything in it. Um, I'm finding Mr. Smith keeps it quite full and voluminous without pulling down my roots. You unexpectedly have something important on tonight. Mm -hmm. What do you reach for to get your skin looking good? Oh, I'd probably just do a refresh with my YSL setting spray, to be honest, because I wouldn't want to apply any product on top of my face and then risk it going bad. <laughs> so I'd probably just do a refresh with the setting spray. And finally, your inner beauty or kind of non-product related mm -hmm beauty tip oh, in a beauty can I can I say a product yeah yeah you can say a product <laughs> I really love the beauty chef glow that has been a game changer for me digestively that had a huge impact on me I was having all these tests done you know for digestive issues and I started taking that and it honestly saved my life so I will continue to rave about that forever but certainly from an inner beauty perspective that has been my best product I've ever used <laughs> Joanna, thank you so much. It's been such a delight to talk all things beauty with you today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beauty Island with the glass skin Joanna Fleming. You can find all the details of where to find and follow Joe, Adore Beauty, and listen to the brilliant Beauty IQ podcast, as well as all the products that she mentioned in today's episode, in the show notes. If you enjoyed today, might I also recommend my chat with Adore Beauty founder Kate Morris back in season one. Scroll through the feed and you will find that episode to dive into. If you fancy chatting more beauty, 
You can find me on Instagram at Beauty Island Podcast or my personal beauty account at Brittany Beauty BTS, where I regularly share reviews of products I'm loving and talk about all aspects of beauty culture plus some behind the scenes stuff of the podcast. Or you can send me an email, as I mentioned at the start, beautyislandpodcast at gmail.com. I also have a regular beauty newsletter called It's a Beauty, where you'll get reviews, recommendations and tips and tricks from my beauty column delivered straight to your inbox. Thank you and until next time, bye bye.